Hi, we're Jared and Amanda with After Homeschool, where we help homeschoolers learn about career fields in STEM and beyond. Hello and welcome back to After Homeschool. Uh, today we have an amazing guest speaker, Chris George. Uh, he is in the, I guess, uh, I, I'm going to do a horrible job saying this, but I, I guess he has IT background, a lot of coding. He's going to give a lot more perspective on this. Uh, when it comes to uh, these types of fields, they're so fast evolving that I personally can't even keep up with them. And so he's going to do a much better eloquent job explaining uh, his education, his uh, background in all of this, and just to give you guys a lot more insight into what that's all about. So, Chris, you're on the line. You want to say hello? Yeah, how you doing? Hello, everybody. Uh, so, give us a brief background. So, kind of like um, you, you can start as early as you want. Like, did you always know what you wanted to sure. do? And just give a... Maybe first, like, what do Absolutely. you do now? Kind of, where, yeah. Yeah. What do I do now? So uh, I own an IT consulting firm called Route 66 Computer Company. It's a break fix computer company. Um, transitioning more into consulting and managed services in um, cybersecurity, networking, server maintenance, anything that has to do with a computer, PC, Mac, Linux-based systems. We, if it's broken, I fix it. And so that's. That's what I do now, as well as uh, for the last seven years at Amarillo College, I've been uh, an instructor in the computer information systems department, and I teach cybersecurity, computer networking, and computer forensics. Cool. Wow, that's a lot. So uh, can you elaborate a little bit? So I know that computers are broken down into, like, the physical aspects and, like, kind of like the virtual so when you say fix it, can you expand on like what you mean by fixing things? Sure. So the break-fix model of, uh, of any IT business is um, a system is not working, whether it's software or hardware. You, know, you turn your computer on and it doesn't boot up. Or you try to open a program and you get an error message. Uh, businesses and individuals alike will contact me and say, it's broken, fix it. And so I will either remotely log into their systems with a remote uh, program or I will go and visit them at, at their office or their home and, and just basically put out the fire, put out the IT fire is the way I look at it in that respect. So basically fixing it, you know, in any form or fashion. I've had people throw computers off of balconies. Oh, my gosh. And, and in retrospect, you know, say, um, I really wish I could get that data off that hard drive. You know, I was like, well, I'll do my best. <laughs> so, and uh, as, and you know, and then it's just sometimes simple things. Sometimes things are just not working properly, as we all know, all of us, any time you use technology, there is a chance that it is not going to do exactly what you want it to do in a day. So, that's where I come in. Sure. Okay. So, what kind of got you interested in this field to begin with? So I grew up on a farm uh, south of Amarillo, a little farm in Hart, Texas, where we grew corn and cotton, and we drove tractors and ran cattle and horses and all of that great outdoorsy stuff. Um, but when I was 14 years old, my uncle gave me an IBM 386, um, 33 megahertz uh, IBM Wang PC, and it was uh, 
it was amazing. It was a new step for us. We never had had a computer in the household. We'd had some video game systems, um, and those were fun. But the computer was really more than that. So he had handed that down as he would upgrade every year into his newest and latest and greatest electronics. I would I would get the hand-me-downs. And so that 32 megahertz is really where I started with computers because I love to play games and use Windows 3.1 and DOS 5.0 and just figure it out. I clicked on everything. Mm-hmm. I just see what it did, you know, um, until the day my sister was playing on it and it no longer functioned after she she played on it. So she broke it and <laughs> that was an opportunity, my first opportunity to say, you know, hey, I'm going to fix this because my father's a farmer. He didn't really care about technology or the computers at the time and he said, yeah, well, that's great. We can throw that away. I'm like, no, don't do that. It's all I have. And so I started uh, started running that up. And uh, so I, I fixed my first computer then. And ever since then, I've just loved taking them apart and upgrading them and taking multiple computers and turning them to one awesome computer and just, just really working from there. And so that led me into, you know, in high school, at Hart High School, a little, little town of a 1,000 people. And I graduated with 20 students. We did receive a grant for new computers in our school. And it was the first to be networked and, and do dual credit with Emerald College. It was a million-dollar grant. And the, net, and the administrator at the time that had written the grant, she needed some help. And so when I was a junior in high school, I you know, started assisting her and making Ethernet cables and setting up a Windows NT-based network uh, with all the new computers that we had coming in, and and that led me straight into a job out of out of high school, um, into just kind of repairing things for a local company in the educational system. So, did you? How did you learn most of this? Was it just kind of playing around with it and digging into it, or you know, was there books? Or yeah, it was all just trial and error at the time. Yeah. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have. We didn't have any good resources where I was. You know, the library was very on repair manuals for specific computers, no internet at the time, so it's really just trial and error. So did you go to, so you said Emerald College, so did you go to to AC for a degree after high school? So yeah, after I graduated high school, I got that first job, I moved the first weekend after high school, I knew I wanted to be in Amarillo, the big city of Amarillo, you know, way bigger than Hart, Texas, so um, I, I, I got offered the job in the summer for, from educational computers and electronics. And so I moved up here and I went to summer school at Emerald College. I'd already been doing dual credit at Emerald College, getting my basics of history and English and, and stuff through our dual credit program. And uh, I had a scholarship to West Texas A&M University. So that's where I was headed after the summer. And so I, I, I was wanting to pursue computer science and programming. I thought that was the path to go if I wanted to be in computers. Um, and I showed up to West Texas A&M University, uh, freshman, uh, you know, with basically enough hours to be a sophomore. So I got to really start into my programming classes right away. Mm-hmm and realized that maybe coding was not quite for me. A lot of language barrier in the instructor and a new programming language. I did not do well in that respect. 
that led me to think that maybe programming wasn't my thing, but IT and computers still was my thing. And so I pursued that networking electronics background after that to where I could get my hands on and it wasn't so software based. Mm. Cool. So did you stay out at WT after that or did you uh, just kind of drop out of WT at that point? And I went many places. So I was always working in IT ever since I got out of high school. I was working for a computer company doing something, whether it was Geek Squad, you know, well, it wasn't Geek Squad at the time. It was the Best Buy help desk in Amarillo working on, you know, rent and vacuum cleaners and stereos and computers and cameras and any electronics they threw at us we would work on. Um, and so after I did that, uh, I moved into Plainview. I, went, I, I, I switched around. I was like, well, maybe I love computers, but I don't need a degree in it. So then I went into Wayland Baptist University and pursued a business degree, got some credit hours in business, and then it was like, oh, I want to move, you know, kind of very nomadic there for several years as a young man, single, want to go see the world, you know. So, of course, my world was very small, so it, it took me from Amarillo to Plainview <laughs> to Wayland Baptist University to um, Abilene, Texas, to Texas State Technical College, to Austin, Texas, to Austin Community College, where I had my first uh, child um, in 2006. So this would have been six years after graduation. And I had my first son in Austin while going to Austin Community College. You know, always getting hours, credit hours. I was always a very good student. Um, I would show up and I would learn what I needed to learn, but I would, you know, mostly just work and pay the bills and have a good time and, and just learn more about computers. And so, but, you know, in Austin, you know, have your first kid. And after about a year of having kids, we're like, about time to go back to Amarillo and be closer to family. And so that's how I ended up back in Amarillo and worked for a few companies out there. Um, Walmart.com hired me to do uh, digital music as support when MP3s first started coming out. They were very big when MP3 players and people would download MP3s and have to have digital rights to those MP3s. And if they lost their music player, they would have to call us to relicense those songs that they had purchased. And that was that was exciting. I worked for 21 Days <laughs> Dell software support where we, you know, if you bought a new Dell computer, it's a call center. So, you know, you bought a new Dell computer and you got it to your house, you opened it up and turned it on. If you had any trouble for the first 21 days, my team would handle that. And so really just uh, kind of doing all that. And then I was, you know, started working for a local computer company, really enjoyed that and decided, you know what, I want to start my own business. So I've been doing this for quite a while at the time probably around seven, eight years, um, just professionally and then, you know, as a kid, you know, so I felt like I had a lot of experience. And so that's when I opened up Route 66 Computer Company on 6th Street on uh, Route 66, Amarillo, Texas, right off of 6th in Georgia. And so that was that was a new experience, you know. Now I had a, a, a house to rent or a house rental payment and and a shop rental payment. I took my last $1,200 from Dell.com and I, or actually from Westgate Computers, I took my last paycheck and I just, I bought a bunch of used computers from Goodwill and stocked the shelves and started selling a full, complete systems, internet ready for $99. Wow. Mm, cool. That's a so, yes, start. started that business there. Say what? I said, that's an impressive start for you to just kind of 
bootstrap it and that's i mean yeah it's the only way i knew how i didn't have any credit i couldn't go to a bank you know so i just decided hey take money out of my pocket and i talked to the game store owner brian over at game quest who's a wonderful landlord he said you know what until you get your feet on the ground the next few months you don't owe me rent he said spend your money getting your product and getting your marketing telling everybody you know put some paint on the walls and put a sign on the store and so, you know i think a lot of you start making i'm sorry i think no, a lot of people ahead. like romanticize entrepreneurship so could you maybe just give like a breakdown of a day like the hours you put in um kind of like what people sure. think you do and what you really do <laughs> what you actually do um, well, everybody thinks immediately if you have a retail location and you're prominent on any business street around other businesses, they automatically assume you have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, you know, there's like, oh, you have plenty of money. You have a store. And like, that is not true. You know, I spent my last, all the money I had putting product in the store, putting paint on the walls, like I said. Um, and now we're having to then find customers to come buy this stuff. So we're out there marketing. So really it just starts, it starts early, you know, your day starts. We were always kind of more nighttime, honestly. So, you know, we started our day around 10 o'clock, but then we would work until midnight every night. Um, having fun. We just play video games in the shop until people would come to us. And then, uh, my, uh, one of my, if we ever got to where, oh, the bills are due, we need to really hustle, we would, we would get up and we would get out in the community and we'd go talk to people. It was really a word of mouth thing. We didn't have any money to advertise a lot. So really just talking to people about what we did. Um, but it, and it turned into, hey, we've got to file business filings. We've got to file taxes every three months. We've got to have a point of sale system that's going to maintain our profits and losses so that we can actually run this like business. Um, so you're really an all-around person when you're running a business. You're an entrepreneur. You are wearing many hats, and so you have to manage a lot of things in a day. So it's nice to have some help. I have some friends that help me out a lot. And, you know, I said, I don't have I, – I can't pay you per hour. I can't give you a salary because we don't know if we're going to make money tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We don't know if we're going to make money next month. I said, but if you can help me make money, I will give you a percentage of everything I make. And on, and so as long as we paid the bills, we would uh, we would all share the money, and they would get a percentage, and I would get a percentage to go pay my other bills, and we would just move on, and it was a fantastic time. Um, there was a specific instance to where we could not afford the gas in, for a commercial location because as a business owner, you automatically have to pay way more money for everything. The electric bill is two, three times as that of a house because it's commercial. Your internet, for the same speed you get in your residence, is four or five times as much because you are a commercial location. And the same for the the, the gas and, and all the other utilities. They, they expect a business, you know, the supply and demand. Businesses have to have these things. Therefore, they will charge you more for them. Wow. And so, yeah, Atmos would charge us. $600 for a deposit. They were like, we just need a deposit or we're not turning on your gas. And when you're barely making a $600 shop payment at the time, $600 deposit just to turn on the gas is not an option. 
and the winters got very cold. <laughs> yeah. But the good thing is, if we got enough computers running in that sucker, as long as we <laughs> have electricity and internet, we were in business. So we would just ramp up. We would just like throw the like highest graphic game we had, or a stress <laughs> processor stress test on every computer we had in the shop, and we would just turn it on full blown and let them blow hot air out the back. And that worked out well. Um, if customers ever complained it was a little cold in the shop, I had gone to the thrift store and bought a coat rack. <laughs> and I had bought I had bought some extra heavy coats and put on the rack. I was like, you can put on a coat while you're hanging out, you know, oh, getting your stuff fixed. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but those are the things, you know, as, as a business, you're just like, you know, the number one rule is to pay your bills and pay your taxes. If you do that, you're in business. Yeah. And pay your people, you know, if you have people helping you. If you can continue to do that, you're in business for another month, another three months, however much you can you can afford to put up front. And so over time, that that alleviates a little bit, and you you get more and more customers, and you learn more about making more profits, and you can actually come out of that. But uh, yeah, bootstrapping is a uh, it's a way to start a business, but it is tough. Yeah. So you mentioned about going to several schools uh, for your education. Do you feel like you pieced it together because there wasn't a degree that really fit your needs? I don't know. I think everybody's different. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of my friends that I worked with at IT-based companies. Um, we all had the same job. We were computer repair technicians. Some went straight through. They they went and got two years degrees and system administration and networking and they went into a corporate you know into a corporate business and they they got a good salary and they were able to afford things and they got insurance and benefits and all that great stuff and they did that right away you know, you know i think that all of that was available the degree plans were available the technical training was available um and it's just i think coming from the farming and ranching lifestyle that i grew up in and my father also was a master electrician, so he was entrepreneur in that respect. He went back to school and got that master electrician's license later in life and started an electrical business. And I just I felt that I really wasn't meant for the corporate command and control, top-down lifestyle of a career. And mm -hmm. so I think that was just my my path was to go and experience and adventure and do what I love, but you know, really try to find a way that I could do it on my own. And that's why starting my own business worked out for me, I think. Cool. So it, it sounds like the, um, so as far as computers are concerned, they're, they're so, they're evolving every year. And so is your mm -hmm. field, do you feel like it's more of a, of like a trade or do you feel like it's more of like a degreed, like, do you think it's going to, move that direction or like how do you feel it it relates to it? so with the brake fix kind of a technician from a technician standpoint i think that is a trade you're like an electrician you're like a plumber you're you're there to go and fix what is broken or to install new but what i found out shortly after owning my business for the first four or five years was i could only achieve a certain level of success without a degree and that's when I really decided because I, I hadn't really achieved an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree at that time I had a lot of credit hours that didn't really amount to anything mm -hmm. 
And so about four or five years in the business, I hit a plateau and I was, I was struggling to, to move to the next level. And that's when I decided, you know, I really think that going and completing a degree is going to help me in this respect. And so I went back to Emerald College and I went and finished a cybersecurity computer networking associate's degree, or actually I, I finished the electronic systems degree there. And then I went on to Oklahoma Panhandle State and finished a business degree there. And everything just from then until now in the last seven years has been incremental or exponential. It has, I have moved way further in the last seven years than I had in the previous 10 or 15. Is that because and of so, what you learned or because of the perception people had of you because you had degrees to back up your experience? I think it was the perception people had that I, that I was, that I now had a degree hmm. and they valued having that degree um, over just a guy that just said he knows how to do this. Um, and, and having the shop helped. So before when I was working out of like maybe my apartment or my home, you know, you would tell people that you did this type of work, but you're more of a freelancer or a moonlighter. Um, they didn't trust you as much. When I did have the retail store, that allowed more businesses and more people to trust that I was going to be there. I was more legitimate, not a fly-by-night computer guy. Um, and I think moving forward, having the degree legitimized that even more to where people then would trust uh, me in higher paid positions. I could charge more for my service, basically. And I was doing the same thing. I could, But I could command more salary or more hourly wage out of these people. I moved quickly from $40, $60 an hour, $75 an hour, $100 an hour. Now I'm sitting at $125 an hour. Um, and people... If you're just working out of your house, out of your apartment, they might, may or may not just let you take their computer when you show up mm-hmm. and charge them $125 an hour. Yeah. So it's all about rapport, business relationships, customer relationships. I've built a lot of great relationships over the last uh, decade. So I think it all kind of helped. And the education by leaps and bounds, it, you know, propelled me further than I could have gone without it. So at some point you got involved in teaching too, right? Sure. Yeah, after I finished my electronics degree at Amarillo College, they saw that I had been doing this for many years, and I had achieved a few international certifications while going to school. Um, from CompTIA, it's an international IT certification body. You got a A plus for a, you know basic desktop repair technician certification, networking certifications, and cybersecurity certifications. And that's exactly what they were teaching there. So they asked me to teach a class or two. And I felt that, you know, there's nothing more fun than just telling people what you already know. Yeah. And so I thought that was a fantastic. And then finally moved me into a full-time position after I achieved a bachelor's and, and moving forward from there. So So for those who kind of hear what you do, uh, maybe not necessarily the teaching side, but, you know, everything else, and they they think that's exactly what they want to do, you know, where do you see this field going in the next, like, 10 to 20 years? Do you think this is a good thing to pursue now, or is it going to evolve a lot? It's going to evolve a lot. It's always a moving target, but there will always be a need to fix things that break. It's not rocket science, I would say. It's not 
an advanced field where you have to have, you know, five years of advanced training, it's something that if you spend your time, if you enjoy taking a computer part, putting it back together, if you enjoy, you know, resolving error messages and troubleshooting, I think that, you know, I can, I can have you trained up in several months and you can go out and you can at least use some of those skills to make yourself a living. And that's why I've always kind of been in this field. Um, but it is going to evolve. Um, some of the things that I do on a daily basis, more of the uh, um, the things that I would do that are repetitive tasks are going to be taken over by more automation. You know, um, we talk about robotics and artificial intelligence and machine learning and cloud computing. And we're really looking at a change in the industry as far as how people approach just having a small business network. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't necessarily need a server in a closet and, you know, a bunch of high-powered desktops to do their job whenever they can just use a virtual cloud server. You know, they don't have to have that kind of on-site capital. Their entire business can be cloud-based. They can do all of their accounting in the cloud. They can do all of their their emails are already all in the cloud. Their uh, all the platforms they may use for whatever their business is is in the cloud. And so, really, their brick and mortar, big data center, you know, networking closets and stuff. Some businesses they don't need that. Some businesses like that, and they like to have that local. But I'm seeing a lot more things uh, being managed by larger companies. Um, and you know, it's, it's cost savings and it's, it's a savings on infrastructure for small businesses, which I mostly work in and you're going to see larger businesses doing it too. And so we really have to think about, you know, where is an IT technician stand? You know, most companies don't need a full-time IT technician. That's why I have 75 different customers that I can work on at any point in time because there's not one small business that needs me full-time. Sure. So for, for someone who thought that this is, you know, they're dead set, this is what I want to do with my life, how would you advise like a 17, 18-year-old to, to start now to prepare for this career path? I'd advise them to get their hands on as many broken things as possible. You know, when, I, when you're young and you're, you really enjoy it, you just tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Tell your boss, like, hey, this is what I like to do. I like to take things apart and put it back together. I like to make things work. So do that, you know, and do that for free. You don't even have to charge just to learn. You know, a lot of people let you do that. But then go and and then go and learn the real deal through certifications, whether it's, you know, you self-studying online or you go into a trade school or you go to a university. I think you need to go and learn the uh, details of computers and networks and the basics of security. It doesn't have to be a bunch of high-level training, but you need to know the basics of of all of those things. And by certifying in that field, I believe it gives you a leg up on somebody who just says they know, oh, yeah, I I do that. I take things apart and put it back together. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people like me that run around saying, hell yeah, I fix broken things. Mm-hmm. But when they get into a business and they start working on it, they really don't know what they're doing. 
Um, and so it's really hard for hiring managers and HR to trust people nowadays because everybody knows how to use a computer. Everybody knows how to reset an iPhone and, you know, that's, that's interested in it, you know, and everybody knows how to reset passwords on Facebook and everybody, you know, can you can replace the screen out on a tablet or you can take apart a laptop and put it back together. It's just a few screws and a YouTube video away. So there's a lot of people like that. But from a business standpoint, if you're hiring somebody to do these things, having a certification is a little peace of mind. So I recommend people go and at least go and achieve those certifications and then pursue, once they find out what they really like, then pursue that more because there's a lot of different areas in computing that one can get into. So um, one of the more exciting things that you talked about, and I'm always really fascinated with is cybersecurity. So do you want to expand on that or like where we're going or what you, I mean, like I think people hear that and they get really excited. So you, could you just explain briefly kind of sure, what that is? Sure, the cybersecurity buzz is all about. Um, you really get noticed a lot more when you use the term cybersecurity instead of information security, right? We have this uh, notion that, you know, that there are people out there or uh, groups out there that are constantly attacking and cracking and hacking and scamming and that is a completely valid fear because the industry is ripe for the fraudsters and the nation states and the malicious actors to take advantage of you in one way or the other to try to take over your system to try to drain your bank account to try to disrupt your business operations um, there is a lot there's a lot going on so from cybersecurity standpoint it's, it's been a fascinating field and it's moving it's faster and harder and crazier than ever because you know as soon as the defenders for good you know defend they're already two steps behind the attackers are 24/7 attempting new attacks changing malware rewriting the system on how attacks occur and as defenders we're always on on our heels and so it is something that is is a constant a battle so where do you see that going like ultimately right like 10 years from now cybersecurity. like do you still feel like we're going to be on the front lines like we're going to have kind of this like good versus evil going on in this virtual yeah, well, world there will always be good versus evil there always has been. I believe there always will be. Um, as long as we, we are more interconnected than ever through um, through all the things that we do, um, we're just adding more and more connected devices to our networks all the time. I think there's 20 billion, 25 billion Internet of Things devices in the world now. Maybe 50. I couldn't remember. 2020, we were supposed to hit a large number. It may have been 50 billion Internet of Things devices, which means anything you could think about that's connected to your Wi-Fi, that's connected to your home network, that's connected to your business network, whether it's a toaster or a security camera or a phone, a tablet, you know, any of these things that could possibly be touching your network are increasing, which increases our surface area of attack. And so the need for professionals to defend from those attacks 
especially for companies and large companies and small companies alike, to defend from those attacks is going to be ever-increasing. We are going to see a lot of automation in that field, a lot of artificial intelligence that's going to be able to lock down a lot of things quicker and faster and 24-7, 365, but they're still always going to need to be the human element to help secure that as well because there's a lot of things that we can train artificial intelligence and robotics to do and, and teach machines to learn, but um, the intelligence of a human to recognize something just as quick um, that a machine would not is still going to be needed. Um, security is defense in depth is what we call it, so it's layers of defense. Not only do you lock the door on your car, but you also don't leave your laptop just sitting in the seat in the car, although you've locked the door because somebody can smash the window. Maybe you put it in the trunk. Maybe you put it in a locked box in the trunk. You know, So it's different layers of security depending on how critical the asset is that you're trying to secure. And so through those layers of security, there will be a ever-growing field in the next 10, 20, 30 years, um, always attempting to secure um, our precious data and, and digital assets. So just technology in general, like you, what's really amazing about your education is like you kind of evolved with technology, like you kind mm-hmm. of started from the ground up. So where do you see it going? Like where do you see our lives going uh, in the future, like near future with, with technology? Like how are our lives going to change or become better? Like what, what would be your guess? It just depends, you know. In Emerald, Texas, our life moves a little slower than in New York City. <laughs> um, growing up in Hart, Texas, their life moves a lot slower than Amarillo, Texas, <laughs> you know. So you can only progress as fast as the society around you wishes to and cares to. That's nice. Um, and so we're really just, in a, it just depends on where you are and what you're into. Um, I know a lot of people that have not... You know, they haven't added a lot of Internet of Things devices. They haven't added a lot of technology to their households. You know what? They're doing just fine. Um, and I know some people that have added everything, the latest and greatest of everything all the time, and they're doing just fine. But it's it's a, it's whatever you're interested in um, and whatever you – I think it's going to hopefully assist us as a society and economically, personally, socially. I hope that we can use technology to – help us in our daily tasks so that we can get back to just relaxing, you know. I just enjoyed relaxing on the farm. I still take the kids out there and just, you know, just just enjoy a weekend where, you you know, you don't have a, you don't have good internet out there, so you're not going to stream any videos. Your phone is barely going to work. You know, it's like going to a cabin in the woods. You're not going to, you don't have service, so you deal without it, and you just, you, you kick back and relax a little bit. And I think our society has gotten to the point in the last, you know, 20, 30 years to where we work more. And, of course, we make more, but we seem to spend more. And so we're always just work, 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 work. And I feel like that hopefully we can use technology to help take some of that burden off of us personally so we can get back to just hanging out in the yard with the kids. Yeah, it's kind of like when, you know, going from doing those kind of things, paper mail to fax machines to email, you know, our, our ability to be productive mm-hmm. has gone up, but I don't know that necessarily the amount of work that we do has gone up. It just seems like the the rate of communication has increased, so maybe you can do more business and things like that. But 
And then mm-hmm. all your competitors in the business can then do more business. And so I don't know if it's, at least in that respect, and from a business standpoint, I don't know if it's done a lot to kind of make it easier on everyone or make it more more hectic. I'm not sure. I would hope for myself to automate my life more. Yeah. To handle my daily repetitive tasks, I would like, you know, robotics and artificial intelligence and machine learning and Internet of Things devices and drones and, you know, any of those things, you know, self-driving cars, anything that is anything technology, I would just wanted to do it for me. Yeah. I wanted to get back to just hanging out, you know, having conversations, going and seeing my family and friends and, and uh, you know, just enjoying the outdoors while everything else is on autopilot in the background and still doing what needs to get done in a day. That's my hope that I can utilize. Te- and I, I think I have tried, you know, utilize technology for that just with the remote, remotely managing my clients. Now I don't have to drive to them. Um, I can remotely manage any of their, any of the systems I work on from my phone anywhere in the world as long as I have internet. If something breaks and it has internet, I can get online and fix it. And so that's helped me, you know, be more places at once. Um, so I don't have to always be out of the house. I can hang out of the house as much as I can. I can and do what I need to do. So I don't know. I think using technology for, for that purpose is, is where, whether it's where we're going or not, that's why I would like to see it go to where it makes our life easier. So we've discussed a lot of topics that could potentially be overwhelming to high school students. I mean, you know, them not kind of knowing anything from everything we've discussed. So do you have any last minute, like, um, just maybe words of support or like, you know, like give them some direction or, you know, whatever you want to share. Sure. From a high school, if I go back to high school, me, um, and, you know, and from teaching, you know, I teach, you know, these kids coming right out of high school as well. Uh, I say pursue and do what you enjoy. That is the number one most important thing in the long run. Yes, you have to go to work to pay your bills one way or the other. But while you're doing that, if you're not getting to work and whatever your work is is not paying the bills and if that's, not, if that's what you enjoy and it's not paying you the bills, then just at least continue to pursue what you enjoy. And eventually, if you do that long enough, you will become a master of that. And you can then charge a reasonable fee for that because this world is growing. There's always somebody that could be interested in what you're interested in. No matter how minute you may think it is, the world is a smaller place. You can get out there and you can meet people that are like you, that have the same interests as you. And if you love something enough, you should just do that. And so I love computers. That's what I do. Um, And then I, I finally got to the point where I needed to pay some bills, so I just charged a fee for it. And so there's going to be, you know, you're not siloed into one thing, I think, which is a great thing in this life. You're not expected to go have a career for 30 years with one company and then retire. I think that you can skip around. You can look at this and that option and this avenue and that avenue and really find what you love and do that. And so I I would really say pursue that. As long as you're paying the bills, do whatever you want. Good advice. 
Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being on our podcast. You've been amazing. I hope this has been insightful for all of the students listening. And uh, we will see you guys next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Barrel Scientific, a curriculum company that helps homeschoolers discover their career field one experiment at a time.